0: This is Jeff Kober and we wanted to provide a little preface before we started with uh, this podcast. It was actually recorded several days ago before the events of last week with George Floyd had really well, I mean we've all gone through a very big weekend of of conflict, of protest, of violence and this podcast is remarkable in that it really is the right message for the events which are taking place in the United States at this time. Um, And yet they were recorded before all these events came to a head um, at at the level that they have. So I wanted to give some preface uh, before we started the podcast. This is about Empathy, it's about listening. It's part of our Disney at Work podcast. I put it in the context of businesses and organizations, but let me tell you, it applies to our society. I'm looking right now at a CNN uh, headline that says, a sheriff put down his baton to listen to protesters. They chanted, walk with us. So he did that's at the heart of what you're going to hear. We're going to talk about some personal stories dealing with autism. We're going to talk about some tools and so forth, but know that at the heart of today's podcast, we're really reflecting on the privilege and opportunity we all have to step forward, to walk in the shoes and understand others, to be empathetic, and to try to to understand where others are coming from, I hope you enjoy this podcast and that it brings meaning into your own life. This is Jeff Kober with another episode of Disney at Work, and we appreciate you joining us today as we go back to Disney's Animal Kingdom. Just a few days ago, I had a few of my uh, children on a podcast together where we talked about what we loved most about Disney's Animal Kingdom, and we'll have a link to that in our show notes page. Make sure you you check that out because there's a lot of links that we have and and, uh, additional facts and insights to today's podcast. But any rate, last time was with uh, several of our children. I am really fortunate to have my wife with me today, and I can't believe that we've done this many podcasts. I don't think you've joined me on a podcast before, Kath.
1: Maybe once before, but not very frequently, that's for sure.
0: She is um, she is probably one of the busiest people I know. So to be able to book her is really complicated. <laughs> so so I'm really glad uh, that we have her today. We're going to um, we're really going to uh, talk about empathy, and we want to share a couple of stories with you um, that largely center around our youngest son. We we have several children, and our youngest is. Um, uh, autistic, in fact, I would say that he um, he has uh, he's probably more on the severe side or uh, of autistic. Um, certainly has a lot of challenges still today with some verbal skills, uh, but but the stories we're providing are actually going back a little bit. Um, in fact, if you could, Kath, I'd like for you to share a story about a, a time you have. We often take turns taking our son uh, to, um we often take turns taking our son to Disney's Animal Kingdom so that the other can get things done around the house or take care of some shopping or just have some needed time that they need on their own space. So one of these stories is with me and the other is with Kath um, as we interact with our youngest son. Kath, share with us uh, your experience
1: So we often would promise our son um, that if he would go to school, which he never liked to do, that the reward when he got home was to be able to go to a Disney park. And on this particular day, I promised him I would take him to Animal Kingdom. And so we got there around 4.30. And... I had picked him up. It takes me about 30 minutes to get there, but the truth of the matter was this was a day when the parks were closing earlier, and he was used to being able to go, whenever he went with Jeff, um, to both his most favorite attractions, which were uh, the Festival of the Lion King and Finding Nemo.
0: Now, later in another story, I'll say that it was the safari and dinosaur, but it does change over. But anyway, yeah, this is over a 10-year period and all this, so
1: keep going. So he's about eight years old at the time, and when we pull through the uh, parking center, I notice the sign that says that the park is closing at 6 o'clock that day. And I realize that means that there's going to only be a choice of one of those shows, that he would not be able to do both. So I immediately start coaxing him through. Now, Preston, you have to choose whether or not you're going to go to Festival of the Lion King or Finding Nemo the Musical. Well, he doesn't understand that. He keeps directing me that he's going to do first Festival of the Lion King and then Finding Nemo. So, as I continue to discuss the day, um, we get to the top of the hill. We're looking down on um, the Tree of Life, and he can be heard very clearly that he wants to go to both parks. Well, I both to both shows. Options. So, and I'm a little nervous about turning one way or the other. I, I, give him these little hand motions, this or this, this or this. He finally chooses *Festival of the Lion King*, and off we go. The show starts, and often throughout the store, the show, you would hear him saying, uh, "Finding Nemo the musical." No, we're just watching *Festival of the Lion King*. He kept kept it up. So the show gets over. And off we go. And as we're exiting, he is persistent. Nemo, Nemo, louder and louder. And we turn left towards the exit. The tantrum begins. Um, at age eight, I could still carry him, but not when he was flailing around and swinging at me. And generally, if I but generally if I just walked fast enough, I could keep ahead of him. Now that tends to look like a mother running from her screaming child, but on this day, that was the only strategy I could think of. As I reached the bottom of the hill, headed towards the turnstiles, um, he reached. He, he caught up with me and immediately dropped to the floor, kicking and screaming. And
0: had a complete meltdown.
1: He had a complete meltdown. And at this point, I I mean, people are having to step around us to get out. Of-
0: <laughs> We're kind of at the. You're at the exit. And you're kind of holding up the spot with this child here on the ground, having a meltdown. This is, this is our life.
1: And, and he tends to kind of be swinging at me at the same time. And so I'm trying to get things under control. Um, and I'm a little shook at this point. When I look up and I find another guest that's only about four, maybe four yards from me. There was nobody else in between. And he is literally down on one knee with his camera in his hand snapping pictures of this alarming situation um, that I'm going through with my son.
0: So kind of a playing paparazzi party of one.
1: Basically, yeah. And, And I'm stunned by it, but at the same time, I'm trying to get my son to calm down. And I am embarrassed and uncertain as to what to do. And the man finally, which seemed like an hour, he finally moved back towards his family. And I turned to Preston and Preston's kind of a sucker for mom who cries. And I kind of burst into tears at that point, at which time he gave me the, oh, no cry and took my hand and we managed to walk out of the park. Um, it had not been one of my better days at Animal Kingdom.
0: So... Here's a situation where you're trying to understand. You're trying to listen to Preston. You're trying to understand his needs. Meanwhile, here's this total stranger who is, and by the way, total stranger, we forgive you out there. You can go ahead and send us the photo. We would be humored at this point if you wanted to send us the photo of what that magical moment looked like for us, but, but totally not feeling much of any kind of empathy or understanding from this individual who's only a few feet away snapping photos of you.
1: No, I I remember being very puzzled by why anyone would want that picture and Googling it. (laughs) It's called Twitter,
0: dear. It's Twitter.
1: Googling online to see if I could find a picture of myself with this uh, very irate child between my legs trying to pull him up. But... I don't know. I don't know what his thoughts were. I, I wondered, was he taking pictures of something else? But there was just no way. Not down on one knee that close to me. He was taking shots of my son, you know, having a meltdown.
0: This is, By the way, uh, and Kath has a wonderful little section. Uh, it's in the show notes page or link to it in Disney at where she talks about autism in the parks and what this is all about. And there's several stories and thoughts and ideas and, and concepts. But, I, but, the, but the reason I wanted you to share this story at Disney's Animal Kingdom is because it's about understanding others' needs. And you had this situation where you're trying to understand an autistic child, which is probably one of the most difficult kind of individuals to really understand, much less empathize. And meanwhile, somebody is totally unempathetic with you, snapping away photos of you. Um, what what, what did you learn from? If you were to re- revisit that scenario with Preston, what would you have done differently with Preston? Or what have you learned in the years in terms of that understanding and empathy and listening to his needs?
1: Well, I think we've because he is verbal. We have learned to be able to communicate with him through pictures. He's more verbal. He is more verbal. Um, he still doesn't, very fluent, but he definitely can express what his needs and desires are. I think we've tried to be more anticipatory about what is in front of us, what what could go wrong. Um, I. But it's not perfect. We still have those rough. Times. By the
0: way, if you can hear, he's singing the Mulan song in the background. So. Yeah. He,
1: he has his own <laughs> Let's get down to business of entertainment. And um, but at the same time, we have some very endearing moments with him where we um, can really enjoy one of the stories that I tell on the autism side is the first time that he ever was willing to watch the fireworks at um magic kingdom and we were viewing it in the middle of the street and we're all holding his ears to cover them and and they're just tears coming down my eyes you know, down my face as i watched him enjoy for the first time this um incredible firework display and and he
0: and he loves to watch it today doesn't really yeah, well, yeah there's certain things he does do and certain things he doesn't but yeah. and most many Children with autism have auditory uh, sensory issues, so they don't go for the fireworks thing. But he does love that show, as he does Fantasmic, and um, but th- so backing up to the story, and I want to say um, again, why are we telling this story? This is not a really a, a post about autism. It's a post about understanding. It's about a po- it's about empathy. Uh, Oprah Winfrey does this wonderful little quote where she says, leadership is about empathy. It is about having the ability to relate to and connect with people for the purpose of inspiring and empowering their lives. And by the way, if there is one, if, if I were to define my wife in any way, it would be, despite these challenges we have with our child, she is a master at really listening and understanding. Otherwise, how could she possibly... Uh, deal with me, but um, but honestly, as a leader, she is really. Uh, and I, I don't mean to call her out on uh, on this situation, but there's a there's a article in the workplace empathy, it's a kind of a report monitor report again we'll have the link, and it talked about how empathy impacts employee productivity, engagement, and even loyalty.
1: For instance,
0: 77% of workers would be willing to work more hours for a more empathetic workplace. Meanwhile, 60% would actually accept a slash salary for the same. 92% of HR professionals note that a compassionate workplace is a major factor for employee retention. And 80% of millennials noted that they would leave their current job if their office became less empathetic. In fact, 66% of baby boomers also shared this same sentiment. I think we all feel this need in the professional world and, and in our personal worlds, obviously, as in our personal lives as well. Cat's like, role in real life is teaching children. I spend my time facilitating and teaching adults in in these kinds of issues of uh, leadership and employee engagement and customer service because you you could appreciate this and you could appreciate the idea of a of a workplace particularly during this whole craziness where you've now had to move from a physical classroom to teaching virtually while our our youngest son comes in and out of the room trying to how how have you had experience this sense of needing to feel understood yourself
1: so for us the um covid experience happened um just during our spring break so i remember leaving the classroom after spring break anticipating that great week but uh, being off but still wondering when or if this might end up um well that i might not be coming back because there was a sense that that might happen and so as the week progressed, we started getting emails, you know, about what was going on and updates, and and finally by the end of spring break, we knew that we were not going back, and and there was a lot of um, uncertainty and confusion over what that would mean for us. Would we have jobs? Would they cancel school for weeks on end, and would we continue to be paid? And so I received an email from our superintendent and. And I remember reading through that kind of anxiously looking for, okay, what's the bottom line here and realizing that, you know, they didn't have all the answers, but in the the very bottom of her letter, she said, you know, we are going to get through this together and I don't want you to worry. We're going to find a way to make this work. And I, I, I think just those words, and we've heard them over and over during COVID, you know, we're going to. Get through this together um are comforting i remember um messaging with a parent even about what was going on and their stress over trying to keep up with their children and saying back to her look we're going to get through this together just the that phrase um generates feelings of hey we're we're working this out you're not on you're not alone and and i want to walk beside you and i i think that's a good message for him you know, employers to give their people
0: Uh, absolutely empathy matters in the workplace empathy matters at home empathy matters in life and uh, it's a jungle out there if you don't have some degree of of if you don't experience and if you don't share and you don't provide that empathy i appreciate you i appreciate you sharing this so allow me to share a personal experience of mine. Again, going back to our children who deal with the challenges of autism. This story occurred quite a, quite a while ago. Um, in fact, he was six at the time and he's 17 now. So that's over 11 years ago and I was taking my young son to Disney's Animal Kingdom. And uh, as he, he continues to have, he had a limited language skills, even more so at that time. But I did know that he wanted to go to the park, and I knew that when we go there, we'd have to have three things, giraffes, dinosaurs, and french fries. So as we got out of the car in the parking lot, he grabbed a small toy horse he had brought with him. I directed him to leave it in the car, but he insisted on bringing it along. I tried to emphasize, tried to communicate to him that we could end up losing it if he brought it with him, but he insisted on bringing it. We entered the park and headed toward Kilimanjaro Safaris. As we prepared to board the first row of the caravan truck, which was the row he actually liked, I took his horse and placed it in my pocket. The last thing I wanted was for a bongo or a zebra to be digesting some four-legged plastic creature. Well, the truck forged onward with a fairly spirited cast member at the helm. Shortly after we started, my son started to whimper. Are you okay? What's wrong, son? I couldn't understand his answer. We came upon the rhinos, and I turned his attention to them and said, Hey, look, 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 the rhinos. I did the same thing with the hippos and then with the crocs. But he was upset and not even wanting to look out. I kept inquiring, what's wrong, what's wrong? We reached the savanna and then he started crying out. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. Was he in pain? Was the adult cast member too loud on the speaker? We reached both adult and baby giraffes and I thought, oh surely, he'll be excited to see his favorite animal. He didn't pay attention. Mandrels, elephants, flamingos, I pointed out each and he held no interest like he usually did. He remained upset and soon started crying. I became frustrated, and I kept asking him, what's wrong, what's wrong? I couldn't understand him. I felt embarrassed in front of all these guests in the seats behind me with a child that was clearly upset, but I couldn't appease him. He's been on the safari at least three, four dozen times in his life at this point, and I had never seen him respond in this way. This continued all the way until we got to the Pride Rock setting where the lions are. When I suddenly realized, oh, he wants his horse. I pulled the horse out of my pocket and he was as happy as he could be. Fortunately, we were at the end of the journey so there was little possibility of him falling, falling out of the safari vehicle. Unfortunately, it kept him from being able to really enjoy most of the animals we had came up to see. Thinking through this, I realized I needed to do a better job of listening. We headed toward the other end of the park to Dinoland USA. Typically, our experience has been to do the Triceratops bin as well as the Boneyard playground. This time I turned to him and said, here we are in Dinoland, where would you like to go? He turned and headed off. He went by the Boneyard, he passed by the Triceratops bin. Finally, he arrived in front of a fiberglass dinosaur squatting along the Cretaceous Trail. He climbed on top of it with other children. I sat on a nearby bench and observed. He spent an easy 20 minutes enjoying climbing all over that dinosaur. Finally, I suggest we go find other dinosaurs. We wound our way along the Cretaceous Trail, past some other dinosaurs' position in a way they cannot be climbed on. We then re-emerged where he took note of the iguanodon positioned in front of Dinosaur. He made some growling noises. Then he ran as fast as he could. Where to? Yeah, you guessed it. Back to the original dinosaur he was playing on. I let him enjoy another ten minutes playing on this dinosaur, contemplating the enjoyment he had found from this simple attraction quietly situated in a vast billion-dollar park and then motioned it was time for us to head out. Well, he had no interest. So I asked, would you like some fries? Yes, yes, fries. I walked past Restaurantosaurus and Petrofries and head over to Safari Barbecue. I knew if I got him some fries at the other two locations, he'd still want to go back to that, uh, to that dinosaur. I got in the queue at Safari Barbecue. I looked at the children's meal to study the options. Now, this was just at the time they had made an effort to be a little bit more nutritious toward the children's meals, emphasizing grapes and carrot sticks and apple juice with a parenthetical statement about cookies, fries, and soda being substitutes upon request. And I have no problem with this. I think that's a good thing. But I did promise fries, and though they are offered on the menu, Fries are not promoted as much as the children's meal options. Over the blare of a nearby percussion band playing, I asked for fries. In a thick accent, the international program cast member told me it was not an option. (sighs) Okay, I was confused. I asked about the cookie. The cast member tells me the cookies are extra. I know that it's listed on the menu as an option. Against the constant beating of the band, she stated that my choices were grapes, carrots, applesauce, and jello. I asked, Well, what is the cookie and soda substitution for? She didn't seem to understand what I was saying. She kept telling me the same thing over. You have two choices grapes, carrots, jello, applesauce. Frustrated, I ordered g- applesauce and grapes. She rang up the order, and I went to the counter. None of the others understood me either. The music was loud, and all of them spoke English only as a second language. Against the blare of the band in the background, I began to explain the confusion to another person at the counter. Seeing my frustration, but not really understanding my actual concern, he gave me a complimentary cookie. I wasn't looking for something free. I was looking to switch. Still, no one seemed to have understood. And of course, my son didn't get his fries. Our stay at Disney's Animal Kingdom went downhill at that point. Now, what do these experiences suggest? We have to do a better job of listening with empathy, of trying to understand. They say empathy is kind of like an iceberg. It has two parts. The top part above the surface is the skill. The part below the water is our own attitude in understanding others, and that has to be an attitude of the heart. It's interesting because, and I'll put a a link in our show notes, but you want to check out uh, my link to um, uh, an article I wrote on performance journeys and on understanding empathic listening. There are really three types of listening. There's kind of passive listening or, or just simply hearing somebody, which is frankly better than not hearing anything anybody said, but it's just simply knowing what someone said. Then there is what's referred to as active listening. In, in active listening, you're kind of doing some, you're, you're manifesting some behaviors to say that I truly understand what you said and what you're saying. And I get what you're saying. So you do things like, say, repeat what they said. So if I understand correctly, what you said is this, this. Or you give verbal and nonverbal cues by maybe leaning forward or giving eye contact or or saying, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, or yes, oh, okay, okay, I get it. Oh, no, really? And you you give those kinds of verbal, nonverbal cues to suggest that you understand what they're saying. That's a whole lot better than just hearing them or passive listening. But active hearing, and what most people are trying to get you to do, is not enough. It is not sufficient to the situation. What you really have to provide is what we refer to is empathic listening. Empathic listening is not just, I understand what you said, but rather I understand how you feel. And so when you go about and, and in this post, he'll give you some ideas about how to really ask the right questions so that you can truly understand and where people feel like they can share how, how they're feeling about something. And by asking the right kind of open-ended, um, empathic questions, you'll be able to then really understand and absorb how they feel and not just what they said. You know, people have five basic needs, and the first of these five basic needs, is talked about in my books, like lead with your customer aunt and others, but, but the first need is to feel heard and understood. Being empathic, providing that empathic listening, helping people feel really heard and understood, that is everything. And in fact, from there, you're able to do so much more, resolve so many other problems. Because people feel like, oh, oh, you get me. You understand where I'm coming from. I feel like somebody, somebody truly has taken the time to hear me out. That empathic listening is so, so powerful. And, and I invite you to think about your own interactions, especially as we're facing a much more virtual world. You know, when you're texting somebody or emailing, you're not going to necessarily get that empathic sharing and by not physically being in the space it's even harder but all the more reason you've got to identify ways maybe it's over the phone maybe it's in a in a video conference but you've got to find new and better ways to help people feel heard and understood This is going to be one of the biggest challenges moving forward in the workplace, because I see in the future a lot more folks being at home, working from home, but unless you really truly, unless people feel heard and understood, they're going to struggle with the idea of working remotely from others. Now, I'm not blaming communication skills on someone who speaks. And in the case I provided earlier, This is a case of, well, a couple of cases, really. You have a case of, of really, a child who has difficulty uh, using basic language skills. You also have an instance where we have um, an individual who um, is an international um, intern and is struggling with language. And let me tell you, saying something in the language, having spent several years abroad um, in Colombia um, speaking Spanish or speaking a second language is not as hard as understanding somebody in a second language. That is actually much more difficult. Um, and so I, I, I honestly I empathize with somebody who is an international cast member. Conversely, I am continually trying to understand Um, all my children, but especially my youngest with um, challenges dealing with autism. Um, You know, it's simply that most of us, including customers, need to be more patient in understanding and empathizing with others. More than anything, it seems to be about listening more and walking in the shoes of others. I hope that as we return to a more physical experience, that we have a greater patience toward really taking the time to understand others and what they're doing and what they're saying. Um, And I think that's so much about what I just said here, walking in the shoes of others. Walking in the shoes of others is that window of opportunity to really help someone, to to really learn to empathize. Speaking of shoes, Two days after that incident with my son, I was getting my son dressed for school one morning. He was complaining about his shoes being tight. He, he has these black shoes. He's been wearing them since day one. He only wears one type. They're black, kind of almost. They're a casual shoe, but they have a Velcro strap on them. He doesn't do the whole tie-the-bow thing, anything like that. So, anyway, I was getting him dressed one morning and putting on these shoes, and he complained about them being too tight. At least that's what I thought he was talking about. I loosened the Velcro and tried to reposition it. He still complained. I adjusted it again and again. He still whined, frustrated. I yelled out, then, you adjust them. Upset and bawling, he, he stood up, ran off, and went looking for mom. Well, <laughs> quickly I defended myself. I, you know, as, as Kath came in the room, he's going, I tried to adjust them. I just don't know why he's complaining. And my wife said, well, it would help if you put them on the right feet. I guess we all have so much to learn about listening and about empathy. Well, from uh, the jungles of uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom, we have some souvenirs for you and your organization. They're takeaways and they're free. They don't cost much. You don't even need to uh, use your annual... Uh, pass to get a discount because they're completely free. Take these questions and consider them. Talk about them within your own team. Get on a virtual call and talk about them. Who are the customers that we deal with that are the most difficult uh, to handle? What are you doing to better understand those customers and serve them? As a customer yourself, do you have empathy toward those that serve you? On a scale of one to 10, what empathy do you have towards those you serve? What would it take to move it up a notch or two? What is the difference between being heard but not listened to? How is that reflected in those active or empathic listening skills? How do you feel when someone has really, really empathized with you? When you really feel they got you, they understand where you're coming from. How do you feel when one just goes through the motions, but really doesn't seem to understand where you're coming from or what you're saying? These are all great takeaways. No matter what your organization is, no matter who your customers are, we can all do a better job, especially in this little world we're in right now of learning to empathize even more. We thank you for joining us for this Disney at Work podcast. We want you to know that we stand ready to support you with tools, ideas, concepts that will help you and your organization to. to the next level well we we offer programs we offer workshops we offer seminars multi-day programs at disney and programs throughout the world we go to you and you can come to us but one way or the other we provide all sorts of possibilities you might want to order our books Uh, we have uh, several lead with your customer really gets into the heart of building that culture that really a great customer experience Disney leadership in you is a focus about what you need to do to improve your own leadership skills and the wonderful world of customer service at Disney where I took that last story from well that's just all a part of what we have uh, to offer to you and to bring uh, to you in your own organization also I'll let you know that um, on our shows link we have uh, a link to Kathy's articles on autism that are available at Disney at play. So lots to check out, lots to see, lots to do. Please do that. Please, if you have a chance, go out to iTunes. Give us a good rating if you would. Maybe a good word as well. We really appreciate that as we try to build. We had an incredible month in June where we our podcast listenership grew by 50%. Uh, that, that means there are three people listening instead of two at this point. No, seriously, we had an amazing month and we want to continue that. But we need you to share the word and to help us get that out there. Thanks again for being with us. So much more to come in the days to come as as events unroll where the Disney parks look to be opening worldwide there is news on every corner we hope to bring that news to you very shortly plus we're gonna come back to our oh what we love best about the Disney parks we got another show coming very soon for you on that so please stay tuned make sure you subscribe to us and again in the words of Sinbad from his storybook voyage at Disney's Tokyo Sea uh always remember, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you soon.